Hello and welcome to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. Um, it's nice to be back here with you, Sam. It's been a few weeks. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, glad we finally get to do one. Um, was able to listen to your sermon on the podcast, and I was really blessed by it. Um, I think it's a topic that I haven't heard very many sermons on, which is surprising because the Holy Spirit is such an important thing, or thing right? Oh, you said thing. <laughs> person. The Holy Spirit is such an important person um, because he's God. And um, so, so I'm really happy that we get to discuss the Holy Spirit. Um, before, we get to, before we get to what you, you couldn't say on Sunday, let's start off with what you did say on Sunday. So why don't you give us a recap? Yeah, so the main point was instead of wasting our lives away like the world does, being foolish, being drunk on the world specifically wine in this passage, but this just general idea of just being drunk on other things, being controlled, being influenced, be filled with the Spirit, be controlled, be influenced, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So the the title of the sermon was Under the Influence, and the big question I was asking in connecting to verse 15 in chapter 5 is uh, how not to waste your life like a fool. Sure. Fools waste their life. And if you don't, if you're not careful, you will waste your life. So the, the, the main call Paul calls us is look carefully how you walk. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do that well, how do you do that? Well, you um, make most of the time. How do you make most of the time? Well, understand what the will of the Lord, what, what the will of the Lord is. What, how, what's the will of the Lord? For you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sure. And so I think being filled with the Holy Spirit can often be confused um, with just some really just like ghosty kind of feel that we're not really sure. Mm. But I think looking at the context of how Paul is using being drunk as a parallel with being filled um, just makes me think that the emphasis here is thinking about feeling more like being under the influence, you know? So instead of being drunk with the ways of the world or your own ways, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the big application and takeaway for all of us is, are we under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Right. Who calls the shots in our life? Is Jesus truly Lord of all things? And maybe a heavy question, a couple, two heavy questions to ask is one, how much does the Holy Spirit Spirit influence you? Hmm. And I think if we're honest with that question, we're going to say different things depending on who you are. But if I'm honest with myself, um, not as much as I want. Right. Well, actually, I guess as much as I want, because the amount of influence he has is because I've wanted him to have that kind of influence, mm. right? Like I, I didn't want him to have more influence. Mm. Hence why. So really, I get what I want. Yeah. Because I want more control. Yeah. And so this idea that we're, every day, you know, when we, when we give ourselves to Jesus, maybe for the first time we have a dramatic like conversion experience. We're like, Lord, I surrender all. But then what we, re- what we don't realize, just like we saw in chapter four about like the putting off, taking off and putting on the new, mm-hmm. is that every day when we wake up and really even throughout the day, every hour we, we look down, if we're, not, if we're aware that the reins are back in our hands, hmm. like, oh, you know, the, the old coat is put back on. Right. And there's just a propensity with the, the world and the flesh and Satan warring against us that there's no neutral that if we're not careful, we just put it back on. Because we, because even though we're delivered out of like a quote-unquote spiritual Egypt, we still have Egypt in us. Mm. And it, until Jesus comes back, we're constant in this renewal process from one degree of glory and to have our minds renewed to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Amen. And so, you know, the question to walk away with is how much does the Holy Spirit influence you? And then two, another one is what would you do this week if the Holy Spirit had complete influence over you? I mean, if, if the Holy Spirit could control you, and we're not asking him to control us in the sense that we're no longer a person and we just disappear because we maintain our personhood. But if the Holy Spirit had complete influence over you and you went with wherever he says, whatever he says you would do without questioning, just you would yield. And even if you question, you eventually say, you know what, your ways are better. I'm going to trust you. What would you do? And I imagine that if every one of our members and any of our listeners of this um, podcasts took that seriously, we would probably have some hard conversations this week. Sure. We'd probably confess some things that we've never told anyone. We, we would probably 
read certain things. We would probably cut off certain things in our life. We would maybe end a relationship that's toxic that you know God isn't pleased with, but you're holding on to. Yeah. I mean, there's no telling what we would do. But that, that actually is a problem right there is because if you consistently live, go, go days and weeks without being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, eventually stop hearing him. Hmm. You can't even, you, 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 you become you, hardened. You quenched him. Yeah, you quenched him and you become callous where you don't no longer know what the Holy Spirit is saying and what you are saying. Sure. And so. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a great point. I don't see a whole lot of middle ground in that statement. You know, sure. be drunk with wine or be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no like, yeah, I'm not being drunk with wine. And I'm not being filled with the, with the spirit. Like I'm just okay. It's yeah. Like either, right. either you're under his influence or you're rebelling against his influence. That's um, right. There isn't, there isn't some neutral safe yep. place to be apart from him. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I, and I wish I just really harped on the fact, and it is a little bit, but the more you yield to his influence, the more joy and power you receive mm-hmm. Ex- exponentially. It, it just starts. It's very hard. It's like pushing something that's really heavy. That's on wheels. But, but as you push it and it gets momentum, it becomes easier and easier. Right. The weight didn't change, but now that there's a momentum going. And so I found that uh, last week, really trying to take this passage seriously and, t- and apply it to my life, I started to realize um, it was more joy I was experiencing daily and more ease and mm-hmm. fi- fighting sin and walking with God. I feel like my sin, my, my war against sin and habits and basically the old demons that come back, they're hardest to fight when I'm only fighting certain battles and not the whole war. If I, if, I, if I just say, you know what, these are the things, but there's other things that I know that God is not pleased with, but I'm keeping them in my life and they're, they're not up for discussion, God, I'm not touching that, mm-hmm. then I'm just immediately severed from the power source of the Holy Spirit Sure. to be able to fight that. So then Christianity becomes very tedious and hard. I mean, our life is already hard living in a fallen world. We make it doubly hard for us by grieving and resisting the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so those, that's kind of the main th- call of the passage. That's good. That's good. And now, and now we, I want us to transition to what, what you didn't get to, what you couldn't say. Um, there, was, there seems to be a lot a lot you couldn't say. You had to put a lot of things yeah, in so the podcast. So I, what's the first thing? I punted quite a bit to this podcast, but I also there were some things that I feel like I, I could have done better. And one of them was because I was influencing – emphasizing so much the influence aspect of the Holy Spirit, I unintentionally negated any spatial or metaphysical, I don't even know how to categorize it, reality of the Holy Spirit being in us. Sure. And I called the Holy Spirit it on accident. Oh my God. Yeah. So I did what you did in the beginning Jeez. and it's, it's an honest mistake, but you want, we want to be careful. The Holy Spirit isn't an it. We're not Jehovah's witnesses mm-hmm. um, or many of the other cults that affirm the deity of, of God, the Father, but not the Son and the Spirit. Right. But this... Um, like the location of the Spirit. Yeah, be, because we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is indwelling certain holy places and then eventually the temple. Right. And there's a real tangible sense the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is there. Right. Even though His presence is everywhere in His omnipresence, there's a specialness of His presence in the tabernacle and then eventually in the... The temple, and we see that in Ezekiel, when the spirit of Yahweh leaves, there is this seriousness of the presence tangibly leaving. Right. And so, in one way that I do not understand, the Holy Spirit is in every believer, is in us collectively. We're the new temple. Yes. I don't know how that works because we're we're physical, yet we have a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. I don't know how that all fits. But I just find it more helpful on a regular basis rather than thinking like fill me up like I'm inhaling something, like I'm getting more of something, that I'm becoming more like somebody. Mm See the difference? Instead of thinking, emphasizing I'm getting something, emphasizing I'm becoming more like someone. And the fullness of God of Ephesians 3 is becoming my reality, His ways start becoming my ways. He has more influence over my heart. I am more submitted to his lordship. And that I find more day-to-day helpful than just thinking like, oh, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? Right. Well, I mean that I want him to give me more of his power, more of his thinking, more of his 
ways. Yeah, and even even becoming more aware of how intimate you are with him, mm. how close you are with him. Yeah. Um, and with the location thing, um, yeah, so God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he doesn't, like, he's not restricted to spatial locations like we are. Right. But he chooses to manifest himself in locations because that that's makes sense to us. It's, it's right. his condescension to our understanding. That's right. And so... Yeah, we're, it, there is a sense, even though we can't understand it, where when you're in Jesus, you're the location of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And also, in a similar sense, when the church is gathered, and I say even more profoundly, yeah, it is the location of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we only sense the effects of the Spirit. We can't mm. actually put our hands on the Spirit. We sense His effects. Yeah. But like, I would say maybe maybe this is helpful. The more you're filled with the Spirit, the more you sense the effects of His presence. That's good. And and when you're not feeling his effects is when through sin or neglect or yeah, or maybe just a dark night of the soul, maybe it's not, right. not yeah. on you. Yeah. You're not you're not as filled with him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think this was a circuit second sermon that we started when we started our church is is God's presence is made visible through the church and mobile. And mm-hmm. so instead of being located in a temple in Jerusalem, now we are wherever the church goes. Yeah. And so people have the opportunity to encounter the tangible presence of God through us, right. the power and the presence of, the, of God through us. And so that's another kind of way to think about it. Uh, a really powerful passage to kind of emphasize this reality in John 14, 17, Jesus is having the farewell discourse kind of with the, um, with the disciples, the upper room discourse. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Mm. So what does that mean? Yeah. What does that I mean? I, at this point, the temple was still operative, you know? Right. I, I don't, I don't think the Holy spirit was in the temple. Um, and the reason why I say that is just because I don't know if the Holy spirit ever refilled in the, in the second temple. Oh, after it was yeah. rebuilt. Yeah, yeah. I know it that, wasn't the glory cloud like yeah, it was in, in First Kings. Interesting. Um, and but this idea that the Holy Spirit was among them, working among them, but yet He wasn't in them. Mm-hmm. And you even see that in the judges, the Holy Spirit rushing upon different people in offices, like a judge, and empowering them for a mighty work. Right. So just this idea that in the old covenant to the new covenant, one of the one of the cataclysmic in a good way, shifts is the Holy Spirit dwelling in people versus outside of them. Sure. Which kind of leads to the, the big discussion that I, I said I would talk about is this idea, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit versus this language of filling with the Spirit that we saw in Acts 15, uh, Ephesians 5, 18. Right. Sometimes they're used to... through the different views? Yeah, that, yeah. Where we want to start with yeah, that. I think that would be helpful. Well, why don't you, why don't you give me a, 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 a break on my breath... Um, why my breath, my voice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, by what are the different kind of major views? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so some of the major views would be, so there's a charismatic view that, um, well, are you talking more about the difference between charismatic and reform views or the different views between the old and new Testament? Um, I would say the charismatic reform, but okay. I would say that there's subcategories within the charismatics. Sure. Yeah. Pentecostal sure. would probably be more specific. Okay, so yeah. maybe more the Pentecostal view yeah. is that there's something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that happens to people who are already believers. Mm-hmm. And so and it doesn't necessarily, it probably doesn't often happen in their perspective when you become a Christian. It happens after you become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost like two stages of Christianity. There's mm-hmm. a stage where you believe in Jesus and accept Jesus. And then after a period of time, there's a stage where you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit in a way that you weren't. And this often manifests itself by speaking in tongues. Some people, I know some branches of charismatic Christians say you have to speak in tongues. Yeah. It's a necessary evidence of having the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just like we see at Pentecost. And they'll point to other instances in Acts. I think you mentioned Acts 8 a little earlier where the apostles find some believers who are seen to be following Jesus, but they don't have the Spirit yet. Right. And they say, okay, we're going to lay our hands on you yeah. and pray for the Holy Spirit. And we see, still see this thing happen 
today mm-hmm. among Pentecostal and charismatic Christians where they'll lay hands on people and pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them mm-hmm. and they'll look for that to manifest with the speaking of tongues. Right, right. That's one perspective. Yeah. And that's what I grew up with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and thousands, maybe millions. That's probably the most common view in the church today. Globally. Yeah. Not, not in the West, but yeah. overall. Yeah. Because the charismatic kind of movements are the, the quickest movements, growing movements in the world. Uh, we even have, you know, charismatic Episcopalians, charismatic Catholics, and so so forth who um, hold that view. So basically, just to sum it up, the, there is one view that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is synonymous or simultaneous with anybody becoming a Christian. Right. If they become a Christian, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's, and that's more of the Reformed view. Yeah. The more... I don't know if you could say reformed. I know reformed hold that. Or evangelical. Yeah, maybe evangelical view. Sure. I mean, but that even that's hard because because charismatic evangelical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because charismatics are evangelical. Most of them are. Right. They um, are. So that that's a tricky thing. So I, I don't know if I even want to give those labels, um, just because there's so much diversity within that, right? Um, you know, because you have certain people who are charismatics who aren't evangelicals, right? <laughs> like charismatic Catholics, yes. you know, um, and I'm a charismatic. And so it just, it's, it's labels can only go so much. So you got one side where the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's just make it really simple. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is s- happens simultaneously with being a Christian. Right. So you're receiving the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian. Right. And you can receive more fillings of the Holy Spirit, like Ephesians 5.18 throughout your life. Now, the Pentecostal position would be, in the one I grew up with, is that there's two distinct ones, and that's the one you explained. That there was a spirit indwelling at conversion, and then there's a subsequent encounter with the Holy Spirit that you are baptized. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about that, because I think that's a very common um, debate in the church and something that many of you guys have probably experienced um, I would say there, we're not going to go into too much in depth, but there is a book called Perspectives on Spirit Baptism, Five Views. Mm. I have that resource. I've not read it all, but if you want to look at five different positions, there's a Catholic position, there's a, there's a um, you know, classical Pentecostal position, and there's others that I even know that there could be so many positions on it. Yeah. If you want a more thorough treatment of that, go there. Now, let me do my best to give a Pentecostal case. Okay, and this is what I used to teach you make friends. I want to make the case, right? Because if you you can't critique something fairly if you can't give it in a way that is compelling and honoring to those who hold the position. Sure. Now, with me saying that, that in, in my previous statement is what I grew up with. I'm tipping my hand, hat that I don't believe in the Pentecostal position anymore. Sure. Which is is crazy because some of my best friends hold this position. So if any of them keep up with me and listen to this podcast, you're going to be like, dude, Sam, you can't do that. But I'm trying to go where the text leads me. And um, what? Let, let's just be clear. This has nothing to do with if you believe the gifts, spiritual sign gifts or so forth are so operative. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I'm a continuation. I'm a practicing charismatic in, in every way that's possible, possible biblically. But I do not think this language is helpful. But that's not. The question is, when do you receive the Holy Spirit? Yes. Not if there are manifestations of the Spirit or not. See, yeah, that's right. Or, or, or when do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Because all, all charismatic Pentecostals would say you receive the Holy Spirit when you become a believer. Oh, they would. Yeah, they would. They would. They would just say there's a f- more fullness that comes. So I remember even getting trained this when I was in high school, and I would uh, someone explained to me like it's like you you have the Holy Spirit, but then when you're baptized. It's like you're immersed in the Holy Spirit. Sure. Which again makes it the the complications of how do we take something that's spirit and not physical and try to use spatial physical terms to it? It's just confusing. Sure. Now, you 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 might have to use that at some level because the Bible seems to do that at some level. But uh, it, it, I remember hearing that as a high school and be like, okay, that makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I teach that, and then I would pray with people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, kids who are already Christians, and and ask them to you know try to pray in tongues and I try to pray for that gift. And I experienced that. I remember even <laughs> I was so bold. I remember going on a trip to Mexico, and before we went to Mexico, we were flying to Arizona, I think. And I remember just sitting with this lady and just sharing the gospel with her, and then on the plane, praying with her to receive um, uh, a prayer language. And Did she? Into, she did. <laughs> she did. And just 
praying with me and stuff like that. That's, That's six, legit. 16. <laughs> Maybe it's legit. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. I need to reflect on that. I've done a lot of things over oh the years that, that um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure about, but I, I need to think about it first. So here's the Pentecostal case. Okay. So we understand that the, the disciples were some sort of Christian before Pentecost in Acts 2, right? They were following Jesus. And then even in John 20, Verse 22, Jesus breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Right. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. So um, there's debate here. Are they receiving the Holy Spirit right then? Or is he foreshadowing? Um, I'm not sure. Honestly, I've gone back and forth. And depending on the day and what I'm reading, I'll tell you a different position. I'm more foreshadowing. You're foreshadowing? Yeah. 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 It's just all one receiving of the Spirit. Yeah. And we just are kind of... Mm -hmm. I think imposing can impose Western categories where you say, "Oh, it's specifically here, here, here." Yeah, like it's just kind of a general shift that's happening. Sure, and, and sure, and and, and I, that sounds good to me. But I mean, yeah. I've read other things that makes me think they receive the Holy Spirit then either. Um, so, so then uh, let me make this case. Um, try to be fair. So there are Christians already, and then. In, and, and there's all these foreshadows, especially John the Baptist, saying that they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, Jesus jumped, uh, uh, and, 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 and so then in Pentecost, they, re, they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They're seeing manifestations of the Spirit. Tons of people are getting saved. Some people even think they're drunk. It's the middle of the day or early in the day. And there's just some crazy, like, experience. We, we, we can't limit it's a commotion. it. commotion. Yeah, it's, it's something's happening, right? <laughs> um, and then... Um, what you what you later on you see passages like Acts eight, where they go to believers in Samaria uh, in Samaria, um, and they let me just read it so I can be fair. Acts so if you have a Bible, Acts eight fourteen. This was my most go to passage. This one along with Acts nineteen when I used to share this. And this idea also that when, when Jesus speaks in Acts 1.8, he says, you, you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this idea that like, okay, you have the Holy Spirit, but you're going to receive the Holy Spirit in a measure that you're going to have power. It'll be like a breakthrough like in your, yeah. in your walk. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So Acts 8 and verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. So that's a clear assumption right there. You could say that they're believers. They accepted the word of God. What translation is it? Uh, this is uh, the NIV. What do you have right there? ESV. Uh, what, what is your verse? Received. Four? Received the word of God? Yeah. Yeah. Received. Accepted. Yeah. Probably same thing. Same right? thing. Yeah. yeah. Lombana, probably. What was that clicking noise? Did you hear that? I did too. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> All right. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Mm-hmm. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, okay, that sounds like they're believers. They've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes. And yet the Holy Spirit had not come on any of them. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Right. And then right afterwards, there's clearly some manifestation of that happening because Simon the sorcerer is like, yo, I want that too. Like, give me, let me pay you. And Peter, teach me how to do that to others because something's happening. Yes. And that doesn't go so well for him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That, yeah, don't pay for that. Yeah. Um, Acts 19. So... Acts 19, Paul says, Paul arrives and there's believers there. So while Apollos was at Corinth, Acts 19.1, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you believe who? I mean, assuming Jesus, right? So it sounds like they're believers. They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Sure. So that sounds, again, to me, like believers now receiving a baptism of the spirits speaking in tongues and it seems separate from conversion 
right? What say you to that, Ross? I say nay. Okay. <laughs> Although that was a compelling case. And that was, I, I do see those things here in the text and I can see why I wouldn't, I wouldn't despise my charismatic brother or sister for thinking these things. Um, so, so that was good. And, um, yeah, where I would go with it, um, is in order to understand the Bible, we have to understand historical redemptive history. Okay. So this is a period of historical redemptive transforming, transforming where we're shifting from the Old Testament yep. to the New Testament, from yep. the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And when Jesus says that the Spirit is with you, but he will be in you, mm. what that's talking about is a historical redemptive mm-hmm. transformation. Mm-hmm. So in the Old Covenant, God was more was with his people. Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful thing. And it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it was the blessing that made them distinct from all the other people in the world. And the incredible thing is, is that when Jesus comes, he and dies and ascends and pours out the spirit on us, he makes it so that the spirit's not only with us, but the spirit's in us. So there's even more intimacy with the Lord that we have than was our old Testament brothers and sisters could have. The Lord sought an even greater closeness with us. And I would argue that we have more power. We have more grace. We have more just ability to obey and trust and be the instruments of God in our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. because the Spirit's been poured out onto us rather than just being with us. Yeah. Now, how, how would I interpret these texts? Well, if you look even here at Acts 19, um, so they were baptized with John's baptism and Paul said, um, John baptized in verse four with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. So it almost sounds like these people's understanding of Jesus, the Messiah is still one of anticipation, Mm -hmm. like the Messiah is to come Mm -hmm. rather than one of Jesus is the risen reigning Lord, which is what we believe in now that he has accomplished his life, death and resurrection. Mm. And so it's almost like these people are still in an old Testament, old covenant framework. Mm -hmm. Like they hadn't, the historical redemptive shift hadn't, come to them yet through whoever was teaching them because at this point, you know, there's still this overlap of old and new eras. There's still this transition that's happening. And it sounds like they just were underinformed about the new mm. covenant, the new realities that Jesus had brought well, forth. Well, even it says he, t- uh, uh, it says that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right. No, not baptized in the spirits. Yes. And the Holy Spirit came upon them as a result of that. It, some people argue that these people are more disciples of John. That could be. Yeah, they're, the, they're under the baptism of repentance, and so they, they may have some vague form of Jesus. But it seems like you know they, they, they weren't developed in this at all. Same thing with uh, Acts 8 with Samaria. You know, when you look at the, the commission, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samar- Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Right, that's kind of the kind of progression. It seems like Samaria was kind of um, God pouring out the Holy Spirit among this people group that the Jews would say, "No, no, no, they can't receive the Spirit. They're not allowed to." And yet they're they're given access to the Holy Spirit, so they have like their own Pentecost. Some people call this a Samarian Pentecost, mm. just special outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the people of Samaria, and so that the apostles and Jews they know, like, okay, no, no. They are not in a second class. They're among us. They're they're part of the church also. They have the same benefits. Right. Making that clear that that there's no ethnic priority to the Jew over the Samaritan right. or the Gentile. We're all one people now. Yeah. The, all of this is, I think, good. Our points we're making. But I think what the trouble is, a lot of people, including myself, struggle with how to always interpret Acts. Right? We have these categories like prescriptive versus descriptive. Mm-hmm. Something that's happening or something that we're trying to apply ourselves. Right. Um, but the, the reason why that's tricky is, Acts, you see certain things that don't seem to be replicated. Um, 
it, it seems to be a unique time. Like no Samaritan has ever come to Christ until that point. Mm-hmm. Certain things that are just unique to that specific content, context that the Holy Spirit's moving. And just because he's moving in that way and showing something doesn't mean that that is always applicable everywhere. Right. Um, another, I, I guess the biggest thing is if we go to 1 Corinthians 12. So that, that's where I would say makes it for me. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, ESV. For in one spirit, spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. Mm. And if you do some study on this passage and look at it carefully, I think you'd be hard-pressed to take it in any other way than the Corinthians were all Bapt all them who them who were actually born again, born again, that they were all baptized in the Spirit, right? Baptized in the Holy Spirit, and when you look at all the passages from John the Baptist talking about, you know, um, I baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Uh, sorry, baptize you with water, but He was coming. You know, I can't even. I'm not worthy to hold His sandals. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm-hmm. That seems like a shift in eras. Right. It doesn't seem like a two-step approach, like, oh, I need to baptize you in water, and then you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It seems like, no, 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 this is something I'm doing right now because I'm a forerunner for Christ's coming. And then when he comes, he's going to bring this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. So I would say, and you said this earlier, you said, you know, Pentecostals believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I would say all Christians believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just what is it? Mm. So are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, you are. I am. Anyone who's a born-again Christian, they're baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, whether That's they right. pray in tongues or not. And Paul says not all pray in tongues. So let's just be clear there. First Corinthians 14. Um, so I would say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a reality for all Christians, but not the same thing as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And just even add a verse onto that, Ephesians 1.13. When you believe the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Right, right. That God doesn't save people and like withhold part of the spirit from them. Yeah. You, when you're saved is when you mm-hmm. inherit that spirit, when, that's right. when you become baptized in him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think baptized and sealed are probably synonymous. Um, even though those are different words, same concept of receiving the Holy spirit for the first time. Yeah. Now there's a couple of things. There's there's an issue with now, how do we understand being filled with the Holy Spirit? Because mm-hmm. you can have more of the Spirit at some level. Like you can have the, be filled, baptized, and yet you can have more of the Holy Spirit. So yeah, that's um, right. a couple of points, and maybe maybe I won't be as organized as I like to be. One, I would say that I think it's unhelpful and I would I would urge my my fellow, my, my, my Pentecostal brothers and sisters not to use this language of, are you baptized with the Holy Spirit or not? I'd rather say, are you born again or not? Hmm. I remember growing up and even remember this one guy found out I was a Christian. He was like, oh brother, are you, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And during that time, I was under that kind of mindset and I, I was speaking in tongues and so forth. So I was like, yeah, I was. And he was like, hallelujah, brother. Yeah. And so there's this subtle way to say that there's two classes of Christians. There's a there's a Christian Christian, and then there's a Christian who's been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now you have power. Now you have the Holy Spirit. Now you have like this another level. You know, some people talk about oh, there's carnal Christians and there's spiritual Christians. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as a real carnal Christian, right? That's right. There's Christians who can live in carnality in seasons, but there's no such thing as a truly born again. I think we have a very low view of what it means to be born again. And, and that kind of classification can subtly divide the church. Oh, we're, we're the special people. And I remember hearing that kind of language in a, in a subtle, subtle nose in the air, looking down on the, oh, those are the non-charismatic, non-baptized Holy Spirit believers. Right. Now, what do we do with all the people who've had experiences where they've experienced some sort of baptized Holy Spirit like I did, mm. where you experience all this power all of a sudden, boldness and and joy, and you you look at church history. You got people like Deal Moody who is seeking a second blessing. Some people call it the second blessing, mm-hmm. and also one day receives it. He doesn't go in detail, and then you see this fruitfulness in his ministry. Sure. And Wayne Grudem has the most helpful explanation for me um, that I've seen is that 
when most people, if they are trying to receive the, the second blessing or a baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're often spirit. They're often going to um, confess all their sins, surrender to the Holy Spirit, His ways, His lordship. Just, I want more of you, God. Now, what Christian, having that kind of mindset, wouldn't have more of the Spirit if they did that? Mm-hmm. A complete abandonment, like. Just confess it all, give it to the Lord, and say, I want all your ways, I surrender to you every part of my life. I mean, that that is kind of what we talked about this last week in Ephesians 5. Right. Of course you're going to experience more joy, more power, more lots of things, because you are now you know, having more access to all of who God is. Mm-hmm. And so this mindset, I, I, I think the, the charismatic experience that many people have, this true, genuine testimony of experiencing just a, a greater in, in, encounter with the Holy Spirit— it's just the reality of what what do you do? What happens if believers truly surrender themselves, seek the Lord? And some people do it for a season. So like keep praying, keep praying, keep seeking the Lord until you receive this second blessing, until you receive this baptism. Well, man, if you are seeking God and wanting more of Him for a season and going hard after and going hard after sin, oh, you better believe you're going to encounter more of the Lord. Amen. And I think we could all use that. Yeah, it's just, it's just putting the, the wrong name on the right thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so I that, I think that kind of helps me understand it. I, um, now, with filling, it seems like you can have more and more of the Spirit's influence over your life and more and more of the character of God in you and more and more of Him at some level. And I, Grudem, again, helps me here. He says, well, how can something that's filled be filled more? Well, I think one way to think about it is like a balloon. If you blow into a balloon just for a little bit, you filled it. Mm-hmm. But you can blow more, and what happens is that the capacity expands, and you get more right. of that. And so in the same way, with the Holy Spirit, the more and more we grow as believers, we, we, it seems like we create a greater capacity for more of God's ways. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing that Jonathan Edwards speaks about heaven. He said, everybody will be full in heaven, right. but some, certain people will have bigger buckets. Amen. And so we can expand our ability. So the person who has the little thimble is full. But so is the person who has the huge feeding trough is full. So both are full, but more can, one can have be, be quote unquote more filled. Right. So to, to, to sum it up, the way I view it, and I think the way you and I are both on the same page, is that every believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and then the Holy Spirit can you can have subsequent fillings of greater measures of of God right. throughout your life, and we should we should seek after that. Right. And that the occurrences and acts that we see are more historically contextualized because of what God was doing rather than what we should follow because of 1 Corinthians 12 saying that all are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and all that to say, I also think this is not a first tier kind of issue. Um, however, what I mean by first tier is like, I'm not going to, this is not as important as the deity of Christ to divide the or the authority of the Bible. Yet, I think a lot of people divide over it because practically the way it looks like in your life is, can be very different. Sure. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and I think one helpful way for me to think about it is so the baptism of the Spirit is, is a yes or no thing. It's not a degree. Either mm-hmm. you're baptized or you're not. That's right. But filling of the Spirit is a degree. Yeah, there's more of it and less of it. So there's two different ways to experience the Holy Spirit, mm. and you have to you have to be baptized in the Spirit to know Jesus. Yeah, but just because you're baptized in the Spirit doesn't mean you're as filled as you could be. That's you good. can always be more filled than you are. That's good. Which means that none of us should say, "Oh, well, if I'm in, if I'm a Christian, I'm already filled with the Spirit, so I guess I really don't have to worry about that." Mm. Absolutely not. Right. You should give everything you have to be more filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And recognize that. Your, your capacity to receive more of the Spirit, to experience more of the Spirit, just comes because you're already baptized in the Spirit. It's good. It's good. Let me give some examples of that, the multiple fillings in Acts itself. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on Grudem again. Grudem, Wayne Grudem, his book, Systematic Theology, is a place that um, his chapters on the baptism of the Holy Spirit are really helpful. And what's helpful by but with him is he's a scholar, and yet he's very accessible and simple, mm-hmm. and yet he's charismatic. So you can... People can track with him. He understands. Yeah, he, he's. I really do appreciate him. I'm not 100 percent with him in everything, but I, I do appreciate him so much. Right. So Acts two four, we see the Pentecost disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then yet in Acts four it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
And then, um, and then later on in Acts four thirty one, they are praying together, and then they, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Mm-hmm. So, you see multiple fillings with similar same people. Paul presumably was filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. I think, I think that's a very safe assumption, and yet he's filled when he's speaking before the Sanhedrin, and then he's filled. When they're praying in Acts 4. Right. This is all, the language of filled with the Holy Spirit throughout Acts also is kind of similar to the way the Holy Spirit seems to function in Judges, where he fills or comes upon mm. for a certain task. Sure. And so I think it'd be very applicable before you're doing something that is totally apart from your ability. I mean, nothing we do apart from him, but something especially so right before I preach or share my faith with someone, an unbeliever, or do something that I don't feel like doing something as simple as like washing the dishes when I feel dead, tired, and sick. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Amen. Empower me for this. So another word is empower mm-hmm. um, throughout the, the New Testament that language is used. I mean, it's just, it's tricky because the, the New Testament used multiple different words explaining similar realities. Right. And so it can get, sometimes get a little confusing if you're not super well versed in your Bible. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of the changes in, in redemptive history is that in Judges, when it says the Spirit rushed upon people, it doesn't sound like it happened very often. Maybe a handful of times in their lives. But now that the Holy Spirit is in us instead of with us, I think we can expect to be filled with the Spirit daily. Like, we have more access to Him, more closeness to Him. It's going to be more more than what they had in Judges. But but the call is, I would say we should expect that, but most believers often don't expect Of course. Experience that. And that's why uh, Ephesians 5 is so powerful, because it's, be filled, present tense, which is continuous. It's yes. a command. Be filled. Yet we're not be the ones filled. filled. Yeah, be being filled continually. Yeah. Yeah. So every day, it's a fresh start. Every hour. I didn't say that in the sermon, but I said, every hour. Fill me again, Holy Spirit. Consume me. Control me. And I want your presence. I want your power. I want your ways more than mine. It's every every minute. And um, and, and so we should experience it more. And that, there lies one of the challenges is because we're not the one filling. It's the the Holy Spirit that fills us. Right. And also, but yet we're commanded to. Amen. And so I talked about in the sermon how um, the, the following verses um, talk about singing to one another, addressing one of the psalms and spiritual songs, making love to the Lord, and then giving thanks always and for everything, and then submitting to one another out of reference for Christ. I want to make a side note. I know this podcast is getting long, but participles, okay, it sounds so nerdy saying that, are, but are a helpful thing to understand when you study your Bible. Okay, what I mean by that is that the way grammar works is that if you have a verb, and the verb here would be be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled, when you see following participles... Which is just an I-N-G word in English. Yes. Running, hitting, no, jumping, right. those are right? participles. And in this case, singing, giving, giving thanks, submitting, these are connected to the main verb. So the emphasis of the main verb, and then the following is unpacking that verb. Mm-hmm. So we saw in the very beginning of the passage, verse 15, it says that to look carefully how you walk. That's the main verb. The following verse is a participle, and it says making the most use of time. So, how, so that's why I said, how, that how do you do that? Well, you make most use of the time. Right. In other words, is for this section now, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Well, sing, give thanks. Submit. Now, here's the tricky thing. Participles can have multiple different ways to relate, different ways to relate to a verb. Mm -hmm. So it could be the result. It could be the means. So this is how you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It could be the result. Oh, I said result, right? Yeah, it could be the cause. Right. It could be the cause. And that's a tricky thing because when I read scripture and in my personal experience, I would say it's both for this. That when I am singing... In community, hearing other people sing to me, I'm singing to them truth. When I am um, giving thanks regularly, even if it's hard, but making conscious effort to be thankful, and when I'm submitting to the proper um, avenues, that that results in having more of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And yet, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I find myself spontaneously singing. Mm -hmm. 
to the Lord and to, you know, and I don't sing to others, but when I'm in community, I'm singing to the Lord and they can hear me and I'm addressing them in truth and, and I'm giving thanks on a regular basis. I mean, we should sing to others. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> you know, I know one preacher who, uh, he's a Chinese pastor, house pastor, ex-Chinese house pastor. He will, in the middle of his preaching, he would just break out in song. Mm. just addressing them in song. And there's something really powerful about that. Wow. And I think there's something really powerful about, you know, we just want to talk about the singing part. Singing is not something that we just do because that's something that, you know, is part of our culture tradition in churches. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, you have to have a sermon. You have to have singing. No, this is a biblical reality. Right. Singing response God and singing in a way where other people can hear. That's why at our church, we want the loudest sounds to be our voices. Because I am ministered to when I hear someone singing to Jesus. Amen. So if someone is singing like Christ is all, you know, and I'm hearing them sing it right behind me, you know, in our, in our gatherings, there's, there's something about hearing that person say that, that ministers to me, mm. that works in me. Yeah. Or if I know that they're going through suffering and yet they're giving thanks and I know they're suffering. I mean, that does something to you. You know, you looked at someone who's going through some serious trial that many people would be bitter about or devastated about or, or totally just out of commission. And yet this person is saying, you know, I trust you. Singing, right. I trust you. I will trust you, Jesus, trust you, Jesus. And I, and I see someone doing singing that, trusting you, Jesus. And yet I know what they're going through. Oh, my goodness. That's starting to, oh. Yeah. Do I trust the Lord like that? You like know? at Bethlehem, there was a professor whose son died. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and at his funeral, he was at the front of the, of the auditorium of the sanctuary, yeah. right, raising his hands, right. praising the Lord. Absolutely. I'll remember that forever. Yes. I remember his daughter during a chapel service, standing behind her, and the song was, All I Have is Christ by Sovereign Grace, and she's singing, All I Have is Christ, and she just lost her brother. Mm-hmm. I'm just bawling behind her as she's singing over me. This reality that Christ is worth it. He is more valuable even if we lose our most loved ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, there's a power there. And so I don't want singing to be kind of this thing that's like a feminine thing or something that, you know, only feely people. No, this is a reality. And if you don't find yourself singing, you know, that you may not be as full, full of the Holy Spirit. Maybe something's going on there. That's right. And being a bad singer is not an excuse not to follow his command. Sorry. That's right. Sorry. It's just not. That's right. Um, if you sing bad, the church just needs to be a place that is comfortable with bad singing in the congregation. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And that, that, that I think says a lot about God's worth is when you hear a lot of bad singers, mm-hmm. you know, cause if you hear someone singing passionately, passionately, you may have the temptation an unbeliever or you believers. Oh, well, that person's just a singer. Mm-hmm. They just like singing. That's their gift. Yeah. What if they stink at singing? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, they just, they have something to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a song in their heart they have to express. Amen. Um, you know, there's that other verse that talks about giving thanks always and every, for, for everything. And, and we can't talk too much about it with the limitation of time. But I find that when my heart is not grateful and, and I'm grumbling and I'm whining, that it's a sign that I'm not full of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if I want to be more full of the Spirit, I, I try to make a concerted effort. So this morning, I didn't feel very grateful. But during my time with Jesus, the morning time, I was I was trying to think of what are things I can thank you with. Thank you for. Not with. For. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that. And it made my heart start to soften up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's both a result and a, a means, a cause. Um, and the passage is so powerful because it says giving thanks for Every, always, always, constant, everything, limitless. Yeah, and and maybe that's hyperbole, but my understanding is that, man, even in the darkest hour, even when horrific evils happen, I can give thanks. Now, I don't know if he's calling us to give thanks for particular acts of evil, but more of that they're giving thanks to God because God can do something out of it. Sure. So, like, I'm going to be very, very crass right now, just to make a point. If if <laughs> If I, a loved one, was raped, mm-hmm. I would not give thanks for the rape. Thank you for this rape, God. Mm-hmm. I would give thanks to the God who can take something as horrific as a rape and do beautiful things out of it. Sure. And that one day justice will be served when he returns. And that one day no more rape. One day when he returns, even something as horrific as rape would, would somehow be reversed because of the glory of the new heavens, new earth. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a, a giving thanks to the person God, namely, in an indirect way, but I'm not. I'm not rejoicing in evil. 
No, yeah. no, I don't think that's yeah. that's what we're supposed to do. Not know. grateful for that evil. Yeah, but maybe maybe also it's like like maybe just to change the example, like if um, if I you know hurt myself, uh-huh. like yeah. like I might not say thank you, Lord, that I hurt myself. Yeah. Like oh, I'm so thankful I hurt myself. And maybe like Lord, thank you for showing me how weak I am. Yeah. So that now I see how much I need you. Right. Like, like that's still giving thanks right. for it. Yeah, yeah. But that's it's right. taking into account more than just the thing itself. That's right. Um, and I think I really think that everything in considered in relation to God can lead to thankfulness, even the worst things. Yeah. Um, I know there's a, like if I'm counseling someone and I'm not and they're not ready to give thanks yet, I'm not going to say, "Oh, you need to give thanks for this right now." Yeah. But like eventually. Yep. Like eventually there is a way to give thanks to God. Yeah. And I would say until you get to that point, you probably still haven't worked through the full healing of it. Right. I don't want to hold that against someone like, Hey, you're not, but like, that's something to consider. Like if you have dark things in your past that you've tried to work through and you're not at that place and you're like, Oh, I've worked through it, but yet you can't thank God for it at some level of how he's using it, how he's used it or how he will one day use it. Then you probably haven't worked through it to, to, to the extent it needs to be. Right. Um, I, I want to say that carefully because, man, we all have things we got to work through. So I don't want to say that hard um, yeah. or uncaring. And yeah, so we, we believe we have a sovereign God who's working all things for our good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I really think that, especially in eternity, when we're looking back at this life, we mean, Lord, thank you for that thing. <laughs> yeah. And you even see Joseph. I was reading the story of Joseph to my kids yesterday, and he's not giving thanks for their pushing him into the stinking hole and mm. sending him to, he's really giving thanks long-term for what that is producing. And that's the salvation of all people right. where they're all not going to die because they have all this food stored mm-hmm. up. So it's, it's kind of like an indirect, it's because you use the, it's a, uh, the instruments. Like I, I'm giving thanks for the instruments to the ultimate end that I'm praying for. Yeah. It's like being thankful for how the Lord uses it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then finally submitting and, and uh, Travis, um, is going to be preaching on it this Two weeks from now, I think that verse submitting to one another out of reference to Christ is not saying that we all submit to every single one completely. And the reason why I would say that is because the following section talks about different categories and different roles in, in the household, whether it's servant or or uh, parent or, or, or um, husband and wife, where there's certain appropriate ways to submit and mm-hmm. relate with each other. Sure. So that's one reason why. Another reason why, if inherent to submitting, is that you don't agree. Right? Like submit submitting to someone assumes that there's levels where you may not be on the same page and yet you're gonna Otherwise you never have to defer. Right. There's no deferring there. Right. If this call is for every single person to submit without distinction to one another, then there's no doesn't go anywhere. Right. Who submits to who? I submit to you or there's endless submission. Right. And so I think there's a reality that every single person has to submit to somebody and that there's different roles that God has ordained that will make it beautiful. And Paul is saying that, you know, part of being spirit filled is that you would submit in appropriate roles. And let me talk to you about that. So it's like a heading for the next section. Right. Verse 22. Where you're going to yeah. unpack it. That's right. So it, it kind of, it, it closes this section, but it, it continues almost. It, it, not almost. It does continue. Right. Yeah. Right. That's good. That's how I read it. I like that. All right. Well, thank you for bearing with us. Hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, please uh, look forward to seeing you guys at Sam's house this weekend for, for house church. And um, I know it, the questions haven't come in yet, but we really want to answer you guys' questions. So if, if, if anything comes to mind, please let us know. Um, feel, feel free to follow up with this and we'll, we'll try to be more and more consistent and concise. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. thank you for tuning in and have a good rest of your week.